0: How many of you honestly believe Jesus is coming back? Do you believe that? Well, of course, he's going to come back. He came the first time supernaturally, right? It was he was born of a virgin. He did not have an earthly father. His father was the father in heaven. Almighty God, we're told the Holy Ghost moved across the Virgin Mary. And what was conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit. So he came the first time supernaturally. The Immaculate Conception. And now he's going to come a second time, miraculously. The miraculous return. Now, today I'm going to talk for the last time on this because we're finishing what Jesus began as just a simple answer to three questions. Lord, when is the temple going to be torn down? What's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And he took two chapters to answer it. Now, the first part of his answer was the signs of the word to look for that indicate his soon return. The second thing he did was he gave three parables and these three par- <coughs> parables, <coughs> excuse me, all have to do with our being ready for his return in one way or another. Now we're on the last parable today. How many of you have ever heard of the parable of the talents? Amen. One of his best known. So I'm going to zip right through it. I'm going to read it and then I want to talk to you about being ready in your works, okay? Here we go. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. So this was an individualized gifting. He gave the gifts to them per their ability, their personal ability to handle them. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded or invested them, and he made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went out back, dug in the ground, and hid his Lord's money. After how long? A long time. The Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents and said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him what we all want to hear. Let's read it together. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. So this lets us know what you do on earth prepares you for eternity. Then he goes on, verse 22, he also who had received... Two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many things in the millennial kingdom. That's what he means. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Heaven's going to be joy. Verse 24 Here we come to the loser. Then he who had received the talent, the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid of you, meaning. I was afraid of you. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited. Now, let me make clear. The, the, the master is, of course, Jesus. He is not agreeing with the servant that he's the way the servant describes him. He's saying, since this is what you thought of me. That's what he's saying. Since this is what you thought of me, you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And in my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him. And give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everybody who has, more will be given, and he'll have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. I don't know what that is, but I know I don't want to go there. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. I know it's powerful. You have given us a powerful message. And I pray that you will open our understanding. I pray that, Lord, you will help me to communicate this and help us as a congregation to understand it and be changed by it. Thank you that your word is not going to return to you void, but it's going to do what it's sent forth to accomplish. Now, everybody, let's pray together and just pray with me. Lord, help me to have seeing eyes, hearing ears, and an understanding heart. That the word might speak to me today and change my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, perk up and listen, you're gonna need this. You're gonna need this. Amen. Amen. Now, as I said, this is the final of three parables from Jesus in his really spectacular discourse on the signs that we're to look for that indicate his soon return, and then these three parables. Now, these three parables, as I said, all focus on our being ready in one way or another. As with the other two parables, we have the master of a house representing Jesus who goes away on a long journey, and that encourages me because in the parables, Jesus is letting us know when he goes back to heaven, it's going to be for a long time. Because every one of the parables says the master of the house, the bridegroom, and now this master of this house, go away for a long time. Jesus said, guys, I'm going. He's telling his disciples, guys, I'm going away for a long time. So I want to tell you how you're to live until I return. So in this particular parable, before the master of the house leaves, he entrusts Differing sums of money, that's what a talent is. Differing sums of money to three different servants. Now those servants in this parable are you and me. We're the servants. And he has entrusted money to these servants. Now the money is measured in talents. He gave five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to another. And a talent in Jesus' day was the largest unit of money that there was. So it's a huge sum. Now, let me give you a little perspective. Uh, A denarius. When when you lived in Jesus' time, you would work for a day, an eight-hour day. At the end of the eight-hour day, you would generally be paid a denarius. You made one denarius, and that denarius took care of all the needs of your life and of your family for one day. And so if you worked a week, you made five denarius, and so on and so forth. Now, a talent equaled 17 years of wages. So all of us would love to have a talent. Amen? So a talent was 17 years of wages. So the one that got the five talents literally made, he was made immediately a multimillionaire because he was taken care of for the rest of his life. Five talents. That's 85 years. If I'm multiplying right in my head, I believe I'm right. And then the one that received two talents was also set for life. That took care of 34 years of his life. And then the one with one talent was taken care of for almost two decades. Now, what is Jesus telling us by by the use of these talents? The money in this parable represents spiritual gifts and graces. That's what the money represents. And Jesus is pointing out that our spiritual gifts have really high value. And that's why he equated them to a talent. So God gave us gifts. Jesus is telling us, I'm going away for a long time. The three servants represent those who are taking care of the house while the master is gone. And the house represents the church as it has in the other parables. And so here we have Jesus showing us, I'm going to go away. And when I go away, I'm going to leave gifts to those that are watching the house until I return. The Bible teaches, folks... And I know I'm a broken record for this, but I'm going to preach this until every light goes off in every head and I have everybody smiling at me going, Pastor, I get it, I get it. Because here's the deal. The Bible teaches that every Christian has been given at least one spiritual gift. I want you to say with me today, I'm gifted. gifted. Now that that made me think you about halfway believe it. Let's try it again. I want you to say with me, I am spiritually gifted. Say it with me ready. I am spiritually gifted. Do you believe that? Because over and over in these parables, we see Jesus telling us that the master of the house leaves and he leaves us with a responsibility and with a gift. And we're going to be watching the house until he returns. So the money represents spiritual gifts and graces and they have really high value. And Jesus says, everybody, every Christian, every child of mine has been given a gift. Listen to what Peter wrote. As God has given each of you, Each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now, there's Peter telling us we've each been given a gift. When we got saved, the Holy Ghost came to live inside of us. And when he came to live inside of us, he also gifted us. He gifted us, he gave us a spiritual gift as each of you has received a gift. And then Peter tells us God's got a great variety of spiritual gifts there's a there's a bunch of them and out of that great variety he individualized each gifting jesus said he gives to every man according to his ability every woman according to her ability it's an individualized gifting based on what the holy spirit knows about you and me and so he gives us a gift he gifts us now there's many of those gifts mentioned in scripture i'm just going to give you a few of them so you can get an idea of what, of what we're being told here by the Holy Bible about what happened to us when we got saved and what God did in us when we came to Jesus. Now, here's some of the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 gives us nine, the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of faith, the gift of healing, gifts of miracles, gift of prophecy, the discerning of spirits, The gift of tongues, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Now, that's nine out of what Peter calls God's great variety of spiritual gifts. But then Paul comes along later and to the Romans, he gives even more. And some of you are really going to resonate with some of these. Here's six more the gift of serving, the gift of teaching, the gift of encouraging one another, the gift of giving, the gift of leadership. The gift of mercy. Listen to all these gifts. God's great variety of gifts. Now, catch this, everybody. These are not natural gifts that you have when you were born. But these are spiritual gifts given to you by the Holy Spirit when you got saved. They come from the Holy Ghost that the Bible says gives to every man severally. Gifts every man severally. Or differently or uniquely as he sees fit. So there's 15. There's more. I can think of another. The gift of intercession. Some of you love to intercede. It's your gift. You love to get into that prayer closet. And just bombard heaven. And pray for people. And pray for God to move. And that's your gift. Listen. There's a great variety of spiritual gifts. But my point is this. All Christians have been given at least one of these gifts, or the Bible is lying. And I know the Bible is truth. Let God be true and every man a liar. Amen? So we have all been given a spiritual gift. So let's try it again. I'm gifted. You have to be. If you're a child of God, you have been gifted. You say, well, Jeff, I don't know what it is. Well, listen, what do you love to do? What comes naturally to you? What, what, what are you drawn to when it comes to ministering in spiritual things? Do you like to encourage people? Are you a merciful person? You, you gravitate to people that are hurting. Do you love to intercede? Do, do you love to teach the word of God? Do you love to minister the word of God? Do you love to witness to others about Jesus? Because there's also a gift of evangelism. There's all kinds of gifts. And whatever it is that you love to do, that you gravitate towards doing, that comes naturally to you in the spiritual realm of things, that's what you need to be looking at as what God has given to you. It's not rocket science. It's not meant to be a big mystery. It shouldn't take five years to figure out. We've all been gifted. And and these three servants who have been given five talents, two talents, and one talent, they represent you and me. Some people are multi-gifted, some people are kind of multi-gifted, and some people have one gift. That's okay. It's not a negative that one man received one and another guy got five because he gives to everybody individually as they are able to handle it. Now, the gist of this parable is all about making use of the spiritual gift that God has given you by investing it in his kingdom's work. That's the gist of this parable. Because now the master returns, and it says he he wants an account from these three servants. What's what's the master looking for? He calls them to himself, and he says, I want to know what you did with what I gave you. That's the gist of this parable. See, we as Christians are not going to go before the judgment seat And be judged for sin. That's the great white throne judgment at the end of the millennium. And we're not going to go to that judgment. Only those who have not been forgiven are going to be at that judgment whose names are not in the book of life. But we are going to go to the judgment seat of Christ. And at the judgment seat of Christ, we're not judged for sin. But Jesus is going to want an account of what we did with the gifts that he gave us. And that's what this parable is all about. And the Bible says, if your works are are equivalent to gold, silver, and precious stones. In other words, you invested your gift in kingdom work. And the Lord, the master, has received a return on his investment. Then you shall receive a reward. But if it is burned up like wood, hand stubble, you didn't invest that gift. You didn't use it for the glory of God. You essentially buried it. Then the Bible says... Your works will be burned up, but you will be saved, yet so as if by fire. What it's telling us is there's going to be rewards divvied out in heaven for how we used the gifts that God gave to us, and we all got one. So as in other parables, one day the master representing Jesus returns to settle accounts with them. He wants to see how well they had invested their gifts into his kingdom work. Now, now, that means that when the Lord gifts you, he sees it as an investment. I want you to think like a banker for a minute. He sees the gift as an investment. I'm going to put this gift in you, and, and, I, and I expect a return on my investment. I want to get the gift back with interest. I want something for what I sowed into your life. Not only are we saved for glory, but I, I, I see myself as, as an investment of Jesus. He invested. He put a gift in me, and he invested that gift in me, and he wants a return on it. So I'm going to use that gift every which way but loose. I'm going to invest that gift in kingdom work because the day is going to come, he's going to say, how did you use it, Jeff? Well, Lord, I taught, I preached, I ministered, I reached, I did everything I could with that one gift you gave me. And I hope I hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. So, so, so let's break this parable down. First of all, as I've already stated, we've got to walk away with this knowledge. We've all received a spiritual gift to invest in kingdom work, That we're going to give an account of. We're going to give an account of it as Christians. And we'll either be winners or losers as far as rewards. Based on how we used it. But we've all. You've got to leave today. If you leave with anything. Leave knowing that you've got a spiritual gift. Listen to a couple of verses that I haven't quoted yet. Romans 12 verse 6. In his grace says Paul. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So there you have a key to your gift. Whatever he's gifted you with, you do it well. He doesn't give a bird the command to fly without giving him wings to do so. He doesn't tell a lion to hunt without giving him teeth to make it happen. He doesn't tell you, I want you to teach if you can't talk. He doesn't tell you, I want you to to pray if you've got no heart for it. He He doesn't tell you to be a giver if you're not very successful at all with with the financial things of life, because people with the gift of giving usually make a lot of money and they're able to give some of that to the Lord's work. In other words, what he calls you to do, he equips you to do. What he calls you to do, he enables you to do. He gives you what you need to get it done. Ephesians 4, however, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, that means when Jesus went back to heaven, look what it says he did. He led a crowd of captives, and he gave gifts to his people. Now, if you're one of his people, raise your hand. If you're one of the Lord's people, all right, then you've got to say to yourself, I'm gifted. Because he says, he gave gifts to his people. Amen. So that's the first thing I get out of this parable. I want to reemphasize it. Now, here's a second thing. The two wise servants who got an investment, who invested the gift and got a return on the investment, they immediately began investing. They didn't wait for 20 years in their life to go by. They didn't wait for 10 years to go by. They didn't wait until their twilight years to decide to go and invest in what God had called them to do. The Bible says that then he who had received the five talents went. Now that verb went in the Greek language has in it the, the sense of urgency or immediacy. So what it's really saying is he who had received the five talents immediately went and traded. As soon as he knew what he had, he began to invest it in the master's work. He didn't say, well, you know what? I've got a life to live and I'm going to live that life. And then when it gets to the end of my life and I'm bored with everything and I've done everything I wanted to do, then I'm going to invest in the Lord's work. No, 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 no. The wise person says immediately, as soon as I realize I've got this gift, that God has put this gift in me, I am not going to let it sit on the shelf. It is not going to have any longer than a 24-hour shelf life in my book. I am going to take that gift and I'm going to immediately Begin investing in kingdom work, encouraging people, having mercy on people, giving, reaching, teaching, evangelizing, witnessing, whatever it is, whatever the gift is on me. I'm immediately going to begin to invest it. Immediately. You know the devil's favorite word is someday. You aware of that? And you know what God's favorite word is? Today. God's favorite word is today. Today is the day of salvation. But the devil's favorite word is someday. Hey, you know, that was a good message that guy preached up there, but you don't need to worry about that right now. You've got, you've got bills to pay, things to do, places to go. You, you'll do that later. You'll do that someday. And you know what happens? Time speeds by like a bullet train. One day you look in the mirror and you go, where would that gray hair come from? And, oh, my gosh, you look at a picture of yourself a year ago and look at yourself now, you go, I'm aging. Gravity is against me. Time passes by. And the devil keeps whispering, someday, someday. But these guys, these two, they said, no, there's no someday to it. There's today. I know I'm gifted, and I'm going to begin investing the gift in the kingdom while I can, when I can, as often as I can, as intensely as I can. Because one day I'm going to hear the words, well done. Amen. (laughs) The one with two talents did exactly the same. He immediately went and began to trade. Now when he returned, the master discovered that both of the wise servants had doubled the master's investment in their life. Look, the first one said, I've gained five more talents. You gave me five, I'm giving you back ten. And then the one with two said the same thing. You gave me two, I'm giving you back four. Your investment was not lost on me. I invested what you gave me. I made use of what you gifted me with. But then the parable takes a cautionary turn. When we come to the man who was given only one gift. Now, I used to read this parable, and I was, I was convinced for years that the reason he did what he did, it bury the talent and didn't invest it and didn't produce for God. I, I, used, I was convinced for years that the reason he did it was because he only got one. I thought that he had an issue with only being, being given one talent or one gift. So he kind of looked at the one that had five and the one that had two, and he said, well, man, he must not think much of me because he only gave me one. So since I only got one, I'm going to bury that talent in the backyard, and I'm not going to use it because he really didn't give me much to worry about. But that's not at all why he did not invest his talent. He says, I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. He says to the master, he did nothing with the gift God had given him. He had nothing to show for it at the master's return. He went out back with a shovel, dug it back up. It had been there a long time. Because it says in the parable, he went away for a long time. So this man's whole life was spent with that talent buried in the backyard. His whole life was wasted In terms of his life counting for God, his whole life, he sat there every day while the other two were investing, 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 using it, making use of it. He sat there on the couch eating potato chips, watching football. He only gave me one talent. I'm going to leave it in the backyard when he comes back. Then then my plan is I'm going to go dig it up and give it to him and say, here, here, I didn't lose a thing. I'm giving you back exactly what you gave to me. No loss, no muss, no fuss. I, I kept it safe. I kept it close. I, I didn't risk anything. I, I, I kept it buried the whole time, not understanding that the master was coming back expecting to get at least two out of his one. But his problem was not that he just got one, that wasn't it. Jesus tells us this last servant's problem was found in his opinion of the master. The way he viewed the master, who in the parable is Jesus or God. Listen to the way he assesses the master. He says, I knew you to be a hard man. I knew you. I knew you. The reason I didn't invest it is I knew you to be a hard man. That means harsh, unfair, unkind, unreasonable. My opinion of you is that you're not a very good person. You're a hard man. I was afraid of you. I've heard about you. You're harsh. You're unfair. You're unkind. You're hard to work for. And he should have stopped right there. He was already buried in his own words. But he goes on to scour the master's character. He says... You reap where you haven't sown. You know what that means? You steal other men's crops. Other men sow seed in a field and the, and the crops come up and you swoop in and you take what other men sowed. You're a thief. His, his, his impression of the master was negative And it was false. And I want you to notice how important it is what we believe about God. Oh, it matters what we believe about God. His opinion of the master was negative and false, so he didn't trust him. You're a harsh man. You steal from people. Now, if I'm dealing with somebody like that, he's harsh and he steals from people. He's unfair. He's unkind. I'm not trusting him. And this guy, this man, this one man, the one that didn't invest, the one that let his gift go to waste, this man had an issue with the master. His issue was... I don't think very good things about you. Folks, listen, you're never going to serve a God you don't trust. That's why it says trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. But, but they didn't trust Him. And, and this is how our lost world out there sees God. Is it not? In their view, I hear it all the time. He's hard, cruel, unfair, He's unjust. Have you you ever noticed that when national calamities like a bad tornado or a hurricane or whatever takes place, we typically hear people um, that news reporters go up to, they they go to the place where the tragedy happened, they go up to somebody and and they say, well, what do you you think about this? What's on your mind? And and, and they, they immediately say, why did God allow this? Where was God? And the world immediately blames God and it lets you know what they think of God. See, the devil is a master at lying about God, about the character of God, the makeup of God, God's intentions towards us. This was his modus operandi with Eve. He went up to Eve and he said, hey, Eve, God, God is holding back from you. Don't you understand that? He doesn't want you to be wise like him. He's holding back. He's robbing from you, Eve. He knows that if you eat that tree, you're going to be like him. And he doesn't want you to be like him. What's he doing? He's slamming the character of God. And some of you, truth be known, I say this in love, but some of you wonder about God's intentions about you. The, the devil has slammed you, and he's tried to, he's tried to uh, um, run God down in your mind. Where is he when you pray? Where was he when you went through that particular trial? Where was he when your kids went crazy or when that person walked out on you? Where was God when you lost that job? Where was God when you got that doctor's report? And the enemy swoops in and he wants to attack the character of God because he knows if he can affect our impression of God, we won't serve him. It matters what you believe about God more than you know. You tell me today what you believe about God, and I'll be able to tell you several important things about your life 10 years from now. You listen to an atheist explain his atheism. The charge is always made. They always say, well, if there's a God, why all the wars and trouble and anguish and all the bloodshed and all the terrible things that happen on earth? If if your God, if the God you claim to believe in was really there, then he's unloving, he's uncaring, he's unfair, and he's cruel. I don't want to have anything to do with that kind of God, and they run him down. And the same with this last servant. I knew you to be a hard man. You reap where you don't sow. I was afraid of you. And he was paralyzed in serving God his whole life. It matters what you think about God. It matters what you think about God. Amen. Y'all are quiet today. It matters what you think about God. Did you know the Bible goes to great pains to tell us the truth about God? The Bible goes to great pains to tell us the truth. I'm so glad for the Bible because it tells me what I would never know about God naturally. Let me read to you just a few verses of the Bible's description of the Bible God who sent his only begotten son to die for us. That if we would believe on him, we would not perish but have everlasting life. Listen to what the Bible tells us about God. It says in Numbers, God is not a man that he should lie. So God is not a liar. It says in Deuteronomy, the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you. Deuteronomy again, the Lord your God is a God of gods. And the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome is he. And then Deuteronomy again, the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you victory over your enemies. And then the Psalms, God is our refuge and strength. He is ever-present to help us in the time of need. And then the Psalms again, for this God is a personal God. This God is... Our God, He's my God forever and ever, and He will be our guide even to the end. And then the Psalms again, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me and holds me up. And then the Psalms again, praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily Bears our burdens. And then the Psalms again. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And I got to read another Psalm. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. And then Corinthians God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. And then First John, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And John, again, love comes from God because God is love. He is a good God, everybody. Listen to the way the Bible describes him. Who wouldn't serve that kind of God? So it sounds to me like this last servant had God all wrong. It matters what you believe about God. If I didn't believe that God was with me. When I get up here to preach, I wake up on Sunday morning, I always say, Lord, who is sufficient for these things? If you're not with me, I can't do it. You've got to help me. You've got to be with me. You've got to be on me. You've got to move through me because, Lord, I can't do it on my own. But I know he's for me. I know he's with me. I know he's going to move in our services. I know he's a prayer-answering, covenant-keeping God. And so I know that I can serve him without fear. Amen. What do you think about God? What's your impression of God? What do you believe about God? I close with with a couple of thoughts to take home with you. Here's one that I pulled from the parable. Whether or not you serve God reveals what you think of him deep down. Is he worth it? Or isn't he? Is he with me? Or is he out to get me? Two, Time is marching on. The leaves that are green today, if you look close, they're turning brown. Life is fast. It goes like that. Faster than a weaver's shuttle, said Job. What is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. What you ought to say is if the Lord wills, I'll go into the city or town and do this or that and make a profit. In other words, God has given us time to invest our gift. I know men, friends of mine, who I've known for a long time, who would give anything to be in my shoes right now. They used to preach. They used to minister. But because of certain physical afflictions and things they're going through physically, they they can't stand, walk up into a pulpit anymore and, and deliver like this. They can't. They give anything to be in my shoes. Their, their time to be able to minister under their gift has passed. And I know that. So I consider every week, every day a gift of God in my life, a gift from God. So I intend to take my one gift and invest it and invest it and invest it in kingdom work. For only what's done for Christ will last. Isn't that what the song says? Last. Last. As seven weeks of messages have shown, Jesus is at the door. So I encourage you today to receive what the Bible says about him and about your gift and begin investing your gift. Can you stand up with me today? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. How many of you are glad you came to church today? Amen. I'm so thankful. I, I wasted my life as a teenager. Wasted it on crazy sin. But I'm so thankful God got me young. And, and at 18, I had an incredible experience with the Holy Spirit two years after I was saved. Holy Spirit filled me in a way I can't describe. And by 19, I took that one gift he gave me and I started using it. Teaching preaching and reaching. That's my one gift. I don't have a bunch. I can't sing. That's why they turn me down every time I start to. (laughs) Have you noticed that? I'll start to sing and all of a sudden I'm gone. Look up there. (laughs) Pastor Jeff, you're born to preach, but not not so much. I'm okay with that because I've got one gift. I don't want five to keep up with. Give me one and let me work it and work it and work it. So I want us to lift our hands to the Lord. You're gifted. You're gifted. And I want you to pray this with me to the Lord who gave you the gift. Say, Lord Jesus, you've gifted me. I'm somewhere in there that list Jeff read my gift is in there help me to discover it and to begin investing it while I have breath in the name of Jesus